Great. Well, we're in Proverbs at the moment, and we're coming up to the end of the, the book. Not quite the end yet, but tonight we're in Proverbs chapter 27. And we're going to be thinking about some of the verses that you find there. So if you have a Bible with you, do look it up. Uh, we're going to read just the first 17 verses, and I'm going to get Oakley to read them to us tonight. So Proverbs 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. Stone is heavy and sand is burden, but a fool's, a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? But is open rebuke, rebuke than hidden love? Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. One who is full loaves honey from the comb, but the hungry, even what is bitter, tastes sweet. Like a bird that flees its nest, is anyone like flees from home? Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and, pleasant, and pleasantness to of a friend brings from, springs from the heartfelt advice. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family and do not go to your relative's house with disaster strike when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbour nearby than relative far away. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. The, pr- the prudent, the prudent, see danger and take refuge but the simple keep going and pay penalty take the garment of who puts up security for a stranger hold it in pledge and if it is if it is done for an outsider if anyone if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning it will be taken as a curse a quarrelsome wife is like a, a dripping leaf dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Great. Thank you so much, Rex. Good reading. Let me uh, share my screen. And we're going to just think about these verses together tonight. And I've called the... uh, our topic tonight, biblical friendship. Now, hopefully you can see me there as well as the screen. Sorry about my dodgy haircut and uh, the shape that you get with uh, this virtual background, but there we go. And um, so tonight we're thinking about biblical friendship, and it's a, it's a theme that we see quite a bit in, the, in these verses tonight. But when was the last time that someone asked you, you know, how, how you were really doing? When was the last time maybe that you asked someone else that? You know, how, how are you? you know, how are you really doing? And I think a lot of us maybe have struggled quite a bit recently through lockdown because we haven't been able to see our friends, have we, as we normally would. We haven't been able to do life together like we normally would. And you know, have those, those long conversations over a, a cup of coffee and just hang out together and, and, and wrestle through the big issues of life. So just think for a moment, who's your best friend? Picture them in your mind. Now, are they someone who 
who isn't just fun to be around or likes the same things that you do, but are they someone who genuinely cares about you? you know, someone who is, who is a Christian and who takes really seriously your character, your godliness, your walk with Jesus and how you're doing spiritually? Is that what your best friend is like? Well, tonight I want us to think about what a, what a biblical friend really looks like and, and how you and I, how we can be those sort of friends to one another within this church and within our community. Now, you see, we have each been created by a God who, in his very essence, at the very core of who our God is, he is a relational God. So at our, our youth small group this week, we were thinking about the Trinity, about how God is revealed to us in Scripture as one God who exists in three persons. And he is God the Father, he's God the Son, and he's God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one God, relationship at the very centre of who our God is. And, and for all eternity, our God has enjoyed this relationship. And the joy, the closeness of, of a father and a son, the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, of the God who knows all things and, and brings perfect unity and joy and, and a closeness like, like no other. And the thing is, this relational God has made you and me in his image. And so you and I, we are made for relationship as well, for friendship, for intimacy, for closeness. It's a good thing that God has put into the very heart of his creation. And, and Jesus, when he walked on earth, he modeled this in his own life, didn't he? You know, there could be no greater friend than knowing Jesus. And, and many did could say that physically as they walked with him. And within his disciples and followers, there were three particularly who are sort of the inner three, as it were, of the, the group of apostles, Peter, James, and John. And they had this great privilege of of having the closest of friendships with Jesus. And you can sort of sense in, in the Gospels their, their love and affection that they had for one another. John especially writes about it in his Gospel and how he describes himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. And I'd love to have seen what that friendship was like and to have known that intimately like they did. But I think Proverbs, as God's word for us tonight, is, is encouraging each of us to to find the sort of depth of friendship that I think they must have enjoyed with Jesus and that many others have had throughout history too. And I want to encourage each of us to, to have someone in, in our life, someone that you're open and you're honest with, someone where when there's real vulnerability, but also trust and where there's transparency, but a sensitivity. But I also think more importantly, maybe that it's encouraging us not just to have someone like that in our life, but that we would be like that to other people's lives and that we might be a, be a Christ-like friend, that we would be a, a godly neighbour, that we would be a spirit-filled spouse. That's our challenge tonight, to, to have us think about biblical friendship. Now, doing these talks over Zoom, as we have done for the last year, and, and having them recorded and put up on, onto YouTube, it means that there are now lots of videos of people like me and others online doing talks and you can listen to any anytime you like. And, and I've tried to listen to some of them and, and looked at myself on a video to see what I sound like. And I don't know if you've ever done that. Listen to yourself speak. And 
sounds horrible if I'm honest when you try to listen to your, your own voice it just sounds really weird you think I don't sound like that do I surely that's not not what everybody hears when they when they hear me speak uh, I sound awful I think I got a strange accent or nasally sometimes and why don't you listen to something else why would you want to listen to my voice but well that is how I sound nothing I can do about that but it's just that I can't hear it in my own head I need the perspective of others. You know, I need my voice to be outside of me to be able to hear it and or someone else who's outside of me to be able to tell me what I hear like. And, and this is in a way sort of why godly, Christ-like friendship is so important. Because what it does is that it allows the perspective of someone else to, to speak into our life. To someone who's outside of our head, as it were, to tell us what we're really like. And, and it gives them the opportunity for, for someone else to, to see and hear what we may be too arrogant or proud or just blind to see what we're really like. And, and so our passage in Proverbs, it, it opens with a couple of verses that are actually quite humbling. And I think they're meant to humble us. What right is we sort of begin this thought about biblical friendship? They bring us down to earth and they remind us that we're actually not all that great. So the verse first says, don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what a day may bring. Well, in the most obvious way, this is saying that we're all just limited in our knowledge, aren't we? And none of us knows what's actually going to happen tomorrow. And we've got ideas, we've got plans. You may look, be looking forward to, to children going back to school again to learn. But no one can say with absolute certainty what will actually happen tomorrow. And so we shouldn't boast about that. And in the same way, we shouldn't boast about ourselves. That, that's verse two because we can't see how the world actually sees or hears us. So we need an outsider, and we need someone who has a perspective on us that we could never have. We need a friend, someone that we can trust, who can help us become more like Jesus in every part of our life. So a big part of Proverbs is trying to help us to be wise, you know, to help us be those sort of people that are helpful to others in, in, in their own in the friendships that we have. Now, a lot of Proverbs shows us what people are, are not good friends. You know, they're sort of people that you shouldn't be hanging out with. And, and so verses three and four of our passage, when you put those together, you see what you could call a jealous fool. Verse three, it says that you know, some things in life are heavy, sand and stone. But if you have someone provoking you all the time, well, well that can just weigh you down. It, it can be unbearable. And the same for jealousy. Those who are, are never satisfied, never content. Well, verse 4 says that you know, they could be worse than those with anger, management problems. You don't want a jealous fool in your life. And there are many other warnings, too, through this whole book of Proverbs about being wise, about the sort of company that you keep. What a good friend and a healthy relationship ought to look like. So verse 5, then kicks off with a pithy little phrase, and then it reinforces it with verse 6. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. And wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Have you ever been wounded by a friend? I mean, in the way that these verses describe. Not when someone lets you down or betrays your confidence, but a wound that can be trusted. Now, one of that is better, it says, than even hidden love. One of the things I think many of us find it hardest to do with our friends is, is to, ha to have a rebuke. 
or to even receive from someone else a rebuke, uh, a trusted wound. I mean, that word rebuke, uh, it almost sounds quite prickly, doesn't it? You know, it sounds like a telling off or, or being reprimanded. And, and most of us, I think we, we create these defences that come up whenever we feel that we're about to be criticised about something. Have you noticed that in your life? I often say to, to people uh, when Priscilla and I, when we're doing marriage prep with couples, that we all have the world's best defense lawyer to sit on our shoulder the whole time. And, and so whenever an accusation is made against you, uh, a friend maybe just lovingly tries to point out some behavior or some response that isn't honoring Jesus. And our defense lawyer, he pops up and he's got the most convincing arguments for our defense. And it's bulletproof, you know, he equips you every time of all wrongdoing. So, so look out for this guy that just whispers in your ear whenever you are challenged about something. Because he's so quick to excuse even our worst behavior. And he's so persuasive and he's so believable as well. So I want, want to challenge us tonight to, to learn to lower our defenses, and especially when they are words from a friend who can be trusted as verse six says, and maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a fellow Christian who loves and knows you well. And so just ask yourself when you get one of those trusted wounds from a friend, is there truth in what they're saying? Learn to, to be humble, to ask yourself, what, what might the spirit be saying and revealing to you through this brother or sister? Because there's nearly normally always some truth in their words, you know, and if this is a friend, normally a dependable, loving person, assume their motives are good. And they're not trying to wound you for the sake of it. A trusted wound it can be a beautiful thing. So think of think the example of Paul. He, he was a great friend to the church in Corinth. And he wounded them, this church, by one of his letters. But the hurt that it caused was for their good. It says in his letter in 2 Corinthians 7, he says, I see that my letter had hurt you, but only for a little while. And your sorrow, it led you <coughs> to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended and so were not harmed by us in any way. So I wonder in your life, who is like a Paul to you? You know, who really bring, brings joy to your heart? Like it says in our passage in verse nine, how the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. <clears throat> we need good friends like that in our life. Now, you heard earlier that today, the 7th of March, is our Oakley's birthday, but it's also Dave Hughes' birthday, or it would have been Dave's birthday today. And we know that because whenever this day came around, Dave would always send Oakley a, a cart. And uh, they were birthday buddies. And it was a lovely thing to be able to have someone special like Dave and, and Oakley's life who would always just be there and look out for him and, and, and give him an encouraging word. And I'm sure many of us can say, as you think about Dave, that he also was a friend, a great friend, like is described in, the, in this passage tonight. Now, he had a, a remarkable way of showing that he really cared for you, didn't he, as an individual. And he was genuine. He was loving. He was always ready to help. But he was also someone, I think, who was able to bring a trusted wound when it was necessary. Now, a rebuke or a quiet word on the side. And do you find that when he did, he, he always said it in such a way that you didn't get your defences up? It sometimes stung because you knew that he was a friend. 
Now, they were said with humility and they often had their effect in bringing about a real change or a depth in our Christian life. We all need people like, like Dave in our life. But how can you and I, how can we be more like Dave to others? When I was studying at Cornhill, the director at the time, a guy called Christopher Ash, he, he once rebuked me in his office for something that I said. And uh, you see, it was coming up to Christmas time and uh, Priscilla and I, we had planned to go to New Zealand to visit our family there. But we wanted to go for about three weeks and that would have meant that we'd have to miss some of the term time. And the rules were that if you needed to miss any of the classes that you had to ask for permission first, which was fair enough. But the trouble was that we'd already paid for the tickets and I hadn't let Christopher know about our plans yet. And so I went and asked him, I said, can we miss a week of term to go to New Zealand? But very quickly, he realized that, that I wasn't really asking permission. I mean, rather, I was, I was telling him that we were going to go to New Zealand regardless. And I'll never forget the way he just carefully called me out on, on my dishonesty and, and how I was reminded that as a Christian, you know, we have to be absolutely blameless in our words and our actions. And I could have really resented him for his rebuke, but there was something pleasant or sweet even in it that I recognize now how God used him to help me in my walk with Jesus and to be so careful in the words that we use. Maybe you've heard another story about some allegations that were made against an evangelist who died last year, a man who was called Ravi Zacharias. And he was a man that God seems used to, to do great things. He defended the faith in such a powerful way and many grew in their understanding of the Lord Jesus through his work. But since he's died, an investigation has come out that shows some real serious abuses of power and even sexual misconduct towards others. Now, the board of ministry, of the ministry that, that bears his name, they, they described how often Ravi would, would shut down anybody who challenged his behavior and how he would use his influence to dismiss any claims or allegations against him. And it, so it's a devastating story, no less than... He, because he's a man that, that I and many others have admired for a very long time. And, but it sort of shows that the extreme end of, of what can happen when, when you don't allow or have friends in your life who are willing to, to bring a trusted wound when it's needed. To bring those hard truths into your life and to really challenge you, regardless of, of how it may affect you. And it's a really hard work to be a good friend now, it takes wisdom, which is what this book of Proverbs is all about. But it, it needs intentionality. It needs discipline. So, so I wonder, have you ever given anyone in your life permission to tell you something that you need to hear, anything that you need to hear? And sometimes it can just be as simple as doing that, just saying to a trusted friend, you know, I give you permission to challenge me whenever you see sin in my life. And when you see an, an attitude in me that doesn't glorify Jesus, when I use words that, that don't build people up or just harms or belittles them, please show me when, things that I can't see myself. Have you given someone permission in your life to be able to do just that? Maybe think about a friend that you could say that to this week if you haven't already. Give someone permission to wound you when you need it. 
And then maybe we too can begin to, to cultivate that attitude in our friendship and our conversations with others. But Proverbs goes on to warn us uh, about being so careful in, in how and, and when we do that. So verse 14, it sort of makes me laugh in a way in our passage, but it, but it makes a really serious point. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, be taken as a curse. Because well, there's nothing worse, isn't there, when it's the weekend, you finally get a chance to have a lion, but your kids come up in the morning at six in the morning carrying a nice big bowl of cereal and they've lovingly overfilled it with milk and they try to give it to you and you nearly spill it all over your bed as you're trying to rest on your day off. And they say, here, Daddy, it's your day off. I brought you some breakfast in bed. I thought you'd love it. Now, I love my children, and, but it can feel like a curse, can't it, when you've been woken up so early on a, on a Saturday morning, even for the best of intentions. Because it's all about timing. Yeah, being a good friend means being sensitive, not just to what you say, but how you say it and, and when. And so if maybe your spouse, maybe you have someone close like that, and just before you're getting into bed, it's not usually the best time to, to raise that issue that's been bugging you all day. When is the best time to have these conversations? When your friend you know, is already upset, they're stressed, and they're anxious about all these pressures in their life right now, maybe, maybe don't point out in the middle of all that how they've been a bit short-tempered lately or not as helpful as usual. When is the right time to have these conversations? Be wise, Proverbs encourages us. And when we speak, and don't be like that, that dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Look at verse 15. It's a superb picture. If you've ever, if you've ever, ever had a, a quarrelsome person in your life, you know, someone who's always nagging you all the time about every little mishap or misstep, it can make you feel so wary. And especially when it's in, in your own home. And your home, they're meant to be these places of refuge, of, of safety, of, of calm. But even there, if you find that there's always a dagger coming out, just ready to bring you down when you least expect it, it can just make you miserable. It wears you down. And there's nowhere else you can go if it's in your home. So don't, don't be like that, Proverbs encourages us. Don't be quarreling and nagging, but, but be wise in the words that we use. A good friend will, will prayerfully and humbly seek the right time to have those, those tough conversations. And the final picture that we see tonight in our passage is the very last verse in verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And this is a, another fantastic proverb that well, it's made its way into to common usage, hasn't it? Iron sharpening iron. But it's a, a description of a biblical model of friendship, of a healthy relationship. We're two equals, you know, they're both iron, both in a way, hardened sinners before God, as we all are. But they're both working out their salvation. They're both growing in godliness. They're, they're both becoming more like Christ each day as they sharpen each other, as they speak into each other's lives, bringing those words of, of rebuke, of encouragement, of challenge. And through that regular process, the, you know, the honest, the transparent, the vulnerable, loving friendship that we are, we're made for. We find out that we are sharper Christians, more mature Christians, godly and more Christ-like in, in every way. And so I was reading about th th this particular proverb just this week, and, and I learned a sort of a, a related story about 
about how you polish gems. Has anyone ever done that before? Gem polishing. So you take stones that look a bit like this maybe, they're all sort of rough and, and jagged and sharp and dull. But if you, you get stones, little rocks like that, and you put them into a little tumbler, something like this, a little motor on it, and you, you stick the stones in there and you, you let the motor spin around for a couple of weeks, it takes a while. But these stones, they, they begin to smash into each other and they chip off the, the rough edges. And then they sort of round each other off. And, and over time, as these rough, you know, hard stones rub against each other, they get smoother and smoother. And then over enough time, they become these beautifully polished stones, gems that just shine and, and sparkle. And I thought it was just a really beautiful picture in a way of, of what God has designed us to be like as, as the body of Christ, as biblical friends in a community together. We are, we're, we're meant to do life together, rubbing off on each other, taking off those sharp, jagged edges, sending those, those trusted wounds in a way that is not going to hurt them for hurting them's sake, but in a way that will help them to become more like Christ, to be the beautiful, polished, mature Christians that God has designed us to be. And that's what he's given us this life for, in a way. And so our, our aim in friendships and in, in this life shouldn't just be to, to find people that, that look like us or think like us and are therefore able to make us happy. And that's the, that's the consumer mindset, isn't it? What can they, they do to help me feel happy? But a real friend, I think a Christian, a, a biblical friend, ought to be someone that God uses to help make each one of us holy. This is one of God's primary means of sharpening one another so that at the time when God calls us home to be with him, that we might be able to present one another to him, to our God, beautiful and fully mature in Christ in every way. And that's part of the, the life that he's called us to. And, and here at Oak Hall, uh, I'd love for us to be a people that are, are doing justice, biblical friendship in every part of our life. So whether it's in small groups, whether it's in a friends, whether at the moment is going for a walk with someone, making time to be intentional, reaching out, giving permission to, to someone that you trust to really speak God's truth into your life so that we can become more like our great saviour, the Lord Jesus. So let me pray now as uh, we then move on to the next part of our service. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love for each one of us. We thank you for your words and scripture that, that reveal in such practical ways what it means to, to live life here on this earth with one another in relationship as you've designed us to do. Lord, you, you know relationship so intimately within yourself, within the Trinity, and you've modeled that even as you walked on earth in the Lord Jesus, what it means to to share life with others, and to speak truth, hard truth sometimes, but in a way that is full of love and with your glory in mind as you build this people, this body of people up into your very image. So Lord, help us now as a church, help us at Oak Hall, wherever we are, to be good friends, biblical friends with one another, that we might be doing your work by the help and the power of your Holy Spirit as we, we teach your word to one another. And we allow your truth to, to really sink into our hearts, changing us more and more. 
Help us to be people who are not just doing that with others, but are allowing people into our own lives to do that as well. So, Father, thank you for your word to us. And I pray that it might be an encouragement to us all. In Jesus' name, amen.